Back here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, we are a couple of weeks away from the Liberty Flames battling the Oregon Ducks in the Fiesta Bowl and someone who is well underway with his coverage of that game as well as high school sports as always for newsadvance.com. Ben Cates, back with us yet again here in the fast lane. Ben, a pleasure to speak with you now that high school football is comfortably in the rearview mirror. First of all, all region honors are coming out and all state honors are coming out. How much do you keep up with that news, just if nothing else, to kind of confirm observations you've had and maybe serve as a primer for players to monitor heading into next year? Yeah, you know, thank you, Ed. Um, it's, It's always... One of those things you look forward to as soon as the season's over, you know, and as soon as region play is over, you start getting those teams um, put out, and they they uh, continue to come out whenever uh, the regions conduct their meetings, and then the state meetings as well. Um, and um, it's always, you know, a, a good end of the year kind of accolades thing for the kids to 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 see, and and you know, it's it's a good, it's also just a good. Um, let's say barometer of, of of where the kids are at as far as state level go, but it's it's a it's a resume builder if you if you want to continue your your college education. You know, it's just in in sports, it's just one of those things that everybody wants to be all state. So it's it's a, a fun time of year when you get to talk about the kids and what they've what they've done this year. What value is there for all region honors, particularly when you're in a region as stacked as the Seminole District is for 3A and 4A, and heck, even the Dogwood District is being one of the more well-regarded districts in, that splits 1 and 2A. Well, the value of it from an, from an all-state perspective is that you have to be uh, first-team all-region in order to be considered for all-state, right? So so kids always want to see their name at, at, at the top of that region list uh, to, to see if they will get a chance for, for all-state. But, um, but also the value of it is just to, you know, when you talk about some of those regions are, are really tough. I mean, 3C is really tough. And, you know, that's Heritage LCA, and you got teams from outside the area, too. Rustburg is in there, and Brookville, and um, and then when you talk about uh, 4D, you've got Salem and EC Glass and Jefferson Forest. So you you get some loaded fields in those regions, and and um, they 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 aren't easy. You know, when you start talking about all region, you're you're talking about kids who have done really good things. It's a very well accomplished group. It's harder to to separate and distinguish yourself. The deeper you get into a region, and uh, that's one of the takeaways from our chat right now with Ben Cates of newsadvance.com, who's with us here in the fast lane. Ben, we'll get into high school basketball and the winter sports scene, particularly as we jump into the month of January. But uh, so much of the focus right now, I'm sure for you as well, are the Liberty Flames, particularly the football team and their trip to the Fiesta Bowl. You had a great article that came out over the weekend, the last couple of days, on the impact that the death of Taj Boyd at the beginning of the year had on the course of Liberty's season. How much did that passing, as tragic as it was, also serve as a focal point in a, again, maybe we're making a word up here, but galvanizer to this team, especially given all the change that had come upon the team over the last year with the departure of Hugh Freeze and the arrival of Jamie Chabwell? Yeah, I um I I encourage all of your listeners to to read that article on our website if they can not not because I wrote it um but because when I started thinking about 
uh, writing an article about Taj um, and his death, I started uh, thinking back to all the comments that were made during the year, uh, during the season about him, and you know, and then kind of just started thinking and, and putting things together as far as a timeline of, of things that happened, and you know, um, just started to think about how much of an impact he had on those guys and. Um, I would hear people talk about him, you know, in press conferences, after games, where wearing his, a T-shirt with his likeness on it. And um, it just became more and more clear as I went back through and, and listened to, to those guys talk how much he did mean to them and, you know, how much this team came together to to play in his honor this year. And I think that's why I, why I would recommend people go read it. I think, uh, I think it's uh, a story that, that – probably needs to be told um and um it's a story that impacted this team greatly it it is and it's amazing and and it's very well written we don't want to take all the uh, shine off the article that that ben cates wrote for newsadvance.com on the death of taj boyd and the impact that even in the short time that boyd was had was at liberty that he had on that particular team uh but you, you pivot away from that particular development and even more so look at the course of this season the, the midweek on the mountain games where Liberty had a couple of close calls against Sam Houston State and Middle Tennessee and then really started to rally over the course of the season. H- how much as you look back on the impact of the regular season of those games for Liberty, do they stand out as also things that really helped shape the direction of Liberty over the stretch run? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I, um, and I was, I was just going through every single game this year um, you know, kind of going through the highlights, the box scores, uh, reading back at what, listening to videos and li- listening to what people have said. And and you can see the progression, and especially when you get to those midweek games, you can see, you know, where there's, there's a speed bump and Liberty struggles. And then um, one game, the offense comes out really well and the defense doesn't. And then the next game, maybe it's vice versa. And, um, and there is a point where the offense just really, really takes off. And from that point on, it seems like it just, it's, it just, it just takes off, you know, like a rocket. And, um, and the defense, too. I think there's one game in particular where I think it was Sam Houston where the defense really, really struggled, and, and they got it together and, and, and never really struggled like that again. Um, as far as making some of the mistakes that they made. So you can kind of see the progression as you look back on games, and that's fun to do, and it's important when you think about what this team is capable of as well. Ben, it really is because you know, you're going to have patches of adversity over a season for a team like the Liberty Flames, but you know, as you look ahead to Oregon, and, and we'll do that momentarily and kind of start getting your initial feedback on the Ducks and uh, you know, the question marks and the certainties around that team, the fact that Liberty played their best ball over the back half of the season, what does that say about this team? And, and more importantly, their grasp that they seem to gain on uh, not just what Coach Jamie Chabot wanted to do on the offensive end, but how that meshes with the defensive philosophy, particularly uh, the fact that that side of the ball in particular was a side that was in transition quite a bit. Those 13 games and that progression um, on both sides of the ball and and you know defensively too, um, it's just... There, there were points in the in the defense early on that were that you you noticed were very good. Um, 
safeties, defensive backs, you know, getting getting in there and getting interceptions is one thing. Um, but when you put all of it together and you're able to have a really good game on the defensive line as well, um, it, it, I think that progression shows that they're as ready as they're going to be, I think. Uh, by the time they get to Arizona, <laughs> they will be as ready as, 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 um, as they can be. That's a good thing for Liberty? Uh, obviously, whether it you know, is enough is a different particular question. How much of your preparation for Oregon is tempered by the fact that Bo Nick says he's going to play right now, but a couple other players, including their center in all Pac-12, uh, as it you know, were at least, since it's not currently a football conference, I guess. But they're all Pac-12. Center has opted out, and a couple others are joining forces. How much of your preparation of the Ducks is maybe tempered or mitigated by the uncertainty of who's actually going to be on the field when January 1st, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, 1 p.m. Eastern arrives. Yeah, that's that's a great point, and um, you know I've got a I've got a story, for instance, I've written about Bo Nix, and just kind of waiting, just kind of put it on hold, just to see what all kind of developments might happen between now and a few days from now. So yeah, those are just because you you, you want to get as much new information out there as you can, um, and so uh, so yeah, I mean. You're you're always looking for those opt outs. That's something that that I'm learning. You know, um, especially kind of my first year covering um, NCAA football, and um, after you know covering high schools my whole career, and um, so it's it's been a learning process there. But but yeah, you're kind of always looking out for what developments are going to happen between now and you know the next week or so. Those are part of the developments that you anticipate and. You know, even in this day and age, Ben, as weird as it is to say, it was the Orange Bowl between Michigan and, and Florida State, I believe. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you remember differently where you had players that decided to warm up and they, you know, suffer an injury, whether it's legit or and it's a precaution or whether it's a phantom injury. But you may even get those type of things where everybody looks on track to play and then all of a sudden, whoops, we're getting ready for kickoff and they're a late scratch. Yeah, and the same thing, you know, can happen for Liberty. Um, you know, it's um I think all the emphasis right now is on is on Oregon, at least at least around the people around here kind of kind of wondering what's gonna happen. Is is Liberty gonna be actually actually going to be terribly overmatched by the time they get there? Um is uh, you know, whatever the case may be, there's just there's so much kind of wondering and, and, and you know, just wondering what's gonna happen. How much do you worry that that will be the case, that Liberty is just physically overmatched by a, a very big and athletic Oregon Ducks team? Um, I think it's uh, certainly a possibility. Um, but I think this is also a team that, if it is able to take a few punches and, and hang around and punch back, um, I, think it's a, I think it's a team that, that, that can hang in there and, and, and you know, and if you're hanging in there, anything can happen. Um, so, you know, I haven't gotten yet to the point as far as, well, first of all, I don't, I don't really like to pick games anyway. That's not my thing. But, you know, I haven't gotten to the point where maybe a lot of people, a lot of your listeners maybe have where they're saying, oh, Liberty's going to get crushed. You know, there's, 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 there's no use, you know, whatever. I, I'm not there. I don't think about those kind of things. Um, really, uh, that's, that's not what I do. Um, but, but yeah, I think there's, there's a possibility we could have a really good game and, and that's why you go there in the first place.
Yeah, I mean, that would be the ultimate dream for many of us watching is it's a fun and entertaining game. Um, Last one on this particular topic for you, Ben, and that is we spoke with a couple of folks in the last week, one of them being pro handicapper Paul Stone in the interviews up Fast Lane, Ed Lane, wherever podcasts can be found. And, of course, your insight is at BenCates8 on Twitter and NewsAdvance.com. But he expects this game, if nothing else, to be pretty high-scoring. That you know, Oregon it may have the ability to move the ball in Liberty, but the Flames, their offense can be tough to defend, and therefore it can make it a higher scoring and a fun game by default. Are you in that camp that, if nothing else, this might be a real fun shootout type of a game? Yeah, it totally could be. I mean, um, you know, Dan Lanning, an Oregon coach, has, has talked about the, you know, the RPO offense and the triple option, and it's just – and he, you know, he talks about how he has talked about how tough it is to prepare for, and um, and you know that's obviously by design, um, and it's Jamie Chadwell's version of whatever that is with with all those with all those kind of wrinkles in it um, has makes things really tough. So, and then obviously Liberty will, gosh, um, defending Bo Nix is going to be is going to be you know the biggest challenge that that they faced all season. And so um, trying to stop a guy like that or at least limit his output or, you know, whatever the case may be is, is going to be a Herculean challenge. And so, um, I, you know, yeah, you could see, you could see a high scoring game. A, a lot of Liberty's games have been so far this year. Indeed. A lot of them have, uh, as we've looked at this year, looking ahead to the future. It's, I mean, first of all, Ben, how weird is it? It's not no, it's the norm, but it still has to feel kind of weird that you know we're preparing for bowl games, and Granite Liberty will have two weeks from National Signing Day to the the bowl game they have in, on January first down in Arizona. But you know you got this awkward time where you're partially preparing, but you're also you got one eye on what the roster is going to look like next year with the transfer portal, in particular being uh, the latest thing that jumps out. That's tough for coaches. I mean, you know, um, you you kind of, I think if you're a coach, you kind of have one eye maybe on on guys leaving and 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 also on um, guys signing and and then it's but but obviously most of your time is preparing for the game, um, but it's also an interesting time of year because you know you kind of wonder how much uh, maybe some late commits. Some late signings are precipitated on um, the actual bowl game itself. You know, when kids see that um, it, you're, you're playing in a New Year's Six bowl, that that is so good for recruiting. And so Liberty has that going for it right now. Indeed, they do. Those are some of the positives for the Flames. It's always a positive for us when we get the insight of Ben Cates from NewsAdvance.com, who's with us here in the Fast Lane. Ben, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you very much for your time, and we look forward to chatting again, although it may be a little jumbled the next couple of weeks with the uh, Christmas holiday and New Year's holiday season here. Yeah, and we'll talk to you soon. Merry Christmas, and um, thank you so much for having me. Ben Cates with us here in the Fast Lane. When we return... Fast Five at 5-ish, plus, oh, a fun edition of what he said and what he meant. We've touched on players transferring into Liberty. What about players leaving Liberty? Oh, this is going to be a doozy as we try to interpret that when we return here in the Fast Lane.